Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. In the studio now, a special guest joins us from Impossible Burgers. Henry Woodward Fisher, who is the international launch manager at Impossible Foods. Henry, welcome to the show. And boy, what a hot uh, market segment you're in right now with Impossible Burgers Good and Impossible nice Foods. To be here. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about what's happening. Where, where are we right now with uh, Impossible Burgers, for example? And are there other products as well that you're working on? Yeah, there absolutely are. So it's been, 2019 was a phenomenal year for our business and for the global conversation around uh, plant-based eating and the benefits um, of, you know, having a more plant-forward diet. But we're not, we're is, that, not, is that the phrase, plant-forward? Is that well, what you that's, that's a, I mean, we can get into that, but it's, uh, we're for people that love to eat meat and we recognize that, you know, to make the shift overnight uh, is, is perhaps a little extreme. Mm. Um, but, you know, so we're not a burger company, um, especially out here in Asia. We've got people doing, you know, satay and roti john and uh, prata um, and different types of uh, stir fries, which are great. And so we just announced um, at the Consumer Electronics Show in January, uh, impossible pork and sausage made from plants as well. Mm. We're, we're really the best way to think about us is like a food technology platform. Everything that you get from animals today, you'll be able to get... Um, um, in the future from plants nice. without compromising. Yeah. That's the key, isn't it? Because I've been a vegetarian now for 15 years or so, but you're not really targeting me, are you, per se? You know, I'm already on board. You're, you're targeting meat eaters to look at this as an alternative to meat on a certain day yeah. or is that, is that well, so, so, so the only real audience that we care about is the dedicated carnivore um, yeah. the opinions of the vegan vegetarian um, don't really keep us up at night you know it, thanks it's, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I, I know exactly what you mean yeah Yep. So you're going for the meat eater market? Absolutely. So, you know, meat is um, very complex. Um, the first five years of the company, we, we were just in R&D. We didn't have a product. We were studying, you know, what makes meat, fish, and dairy so delicious? Why, when you throw a steak on the grill, do you get that explosion of flavors and aromas? Why is fish flaky? Why does mm. cheese stretch when you heat it? Um, and everything is, is, is chemicals. Everything is science. Everything has an explanation. You just need to do the work. Mm. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. And we've made a number of discoveries um, behind that. The key discovery being the role of a protein called Heme, which is like hemoglobin in your blood. Oh, okay. It's an iron protein that's responsible for giving meat all its flavor. Uh, and because it exists in all plants and animals, you don't have to get it from animal sources. So that's what makes the that's impossible really burger yeah. taste and yeah. smell so delicious. Oh, okay. Well, wow, he's genuinely fascinating. Yeah. What's the take-up been on Impossible Burgers? I know you're doing more than that, but it seems like, especially in the last six months mm. or so, it, they've been so much more visible. Uh, is that just my own well, perception? Or you, is that... you mean here in Singapore? Or yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Well, so we only launched in Singapore in March last year. Yeah. Um, so outside of the U.S., we're only available in Hong Kong, Macau, and Singapore. And Singapore has just been, the uptake's been very, very positive, very strong. So we launched in eight restaurants in March, um, and... It's, we're now in over 250 restaurants, um, and in, including some local favorites, whether it be Sreesen or Svensson's or Ooh, Heidi Lau. I had it last um, week. Oh, great. Where yeah. did you have it? <laughs> Love, I had it in Swenson's. Oh, okay, uh, great. Swenson's yeah, in, they do a great job. Yeah, I had it in, I'm happy to say this. I had it in Swenson's in Senkang Compass 1 last week. I took my wife there. It was her birthday. Absolutely adore it. Great. No one's paying me to say that. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's wonderful stuff. And you, you are, as Glenn rightly says, you seem to be expanding quite rapidly. The visibility seems to be quite pronounced. And I think that's really just a reflection of the consumers. Like Consumers get really excited about it. And so it's driving great revenue for mm. our restaurant customers. But that's not being really pushed by us. It's being pulled by the consumer. So our product has that type of stickiness 
by which I mean that the consumers, they try it and it usually exceeds their expectations and they want to tell their friends and family about it. And then they're like, if I have a burger a few times a month, why don't I have an impossible burger? I'm not compromising on taste, texture, nutrition. It's kind of a no-brainer. And we're only getting better. The cow is not getting better in any way. No, the cow is getting much, much sicker <laughs> as is this environment that it sits in. On that point, you say taste, texture, a lot of yep. uh, food research yep. goes into that technology research. Beyond that... What are the health elements for sure. consumers to take into account? Sure. I mean, I know the answers to this, right. but what, you know, what are the benefits, the health benefits of, of going with impossible foods? Well, nutrition is, is absolutely key. Um, some people, they go, oh, but it's, you know, um, they compare it to like a sort of a sweet potato burger or a kale salad. We're not making a salad. We're benchmarking ourselves against uh, meat from a cow. Yeah, like the um, And so our commitment has always been that we're never going to make something that is nutritionally worse than what we're trying to replace. Mm. Um, And that said, we're we're benchmarking ourselves against regular beef, 80-20 beef, which is a 20% fat, 80% lean. And when you make comparisons with our product against that, what you'd buy in the supermarket, we've got slightly higher protein, slightly higher iron, uh, lower calories, lower saturated fat, zero cholesterol, no hormones, no antibiotics, but crucially got a much, much, much um, lower environmental footprint in terms of, you know, 96% less land, a ton tiny fraction of the water and the greenhouse gases used. Um, And then the consumer decides on taste. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you which one's better, but I can tell you that 95% of our customers are meat eaters. Yeah, interesting. We're speaking with uh, Henry Woodward Fisher, who is the International Launch Manager at Impossible Foods. Uh, Henry, what does the expansion plan look like and retail plans look like as we look across Asia? Mm. Uh, You said you've been in Singapore since um, last year, March last year, and you're in Hong Kong, a few other places. Where does it go from here? And, and how do you get – actually, I would think it's a pretty easy region to sell on plant-based food. Well, yeah. I mean, Asia-Pacific is a really, really big focus area for the company. So yeah. uh, close to 45 50% of the world's meats consumed in Asia. It's the fastest-growing region for meat consumption. Um, so it's mission-critical in that sense. But there are also um, a lot of vegetarians based on religious there, uh, backgrounds there, there and are, things and too, And I think right? that, that's a good and a bad thing in terms of uh, some confusion can be caused because people are like, oh, you go to China and people are like, oh, it's suro, it's like vegetarian conventional meat. We've had this for thousands of years. Why mm. do we need this? And what we're saying is people have made conventional mock meats and veggie burgers since time began, we're making meat from plants and taking almost like a sort of medical, biological approach to studying animal tissue and replicating this using plant-based ingredients. Hmm. Um, And so this this is like simple sort of KPI is like tasting is believing. So we want to get it in the mouths of as many people as possible in ways that are culturally identifiable to them. So, you know, who cares about a burger when you go to, you know, South Korea or to, or to China, frankly? You know, right. they, they want foods and dishes that are going to um, connect with them. So that's why we work with great chefs to build credibility as a delicious food. You'll be seeing more products from us, of course. You know, pork is, um, I think it's 38% of the world's meat supply. China is really, really mission critical for us. They consume 28% of all the world's meat. 14% of the world's meat is consumed in Europe. So China's double that today. Wow. And it's just like, meat's a very aspirational product, um, especially um, in Asia. But on that point, with the issue we're having right now with COVID-19 and other, we've had swine flu in the recent yep. years, other flu-like viruses where they've been transmitted from animals yep. to people. There's a, there's a mission-critical sense in that aspect Absolutely. as well, isn't it? I mean, and also the, the likes of China and other countries, they're quite on board. These I know for an absolute fact that the Singapore government is very supportive of plant-based yep. alternatives. So you're seeing a shift in thinking at central level as well, aren't you? The governments are aware that yep. there needs to be yep. a shift. Yep. I mean, that's definitely part of the messaging. Um, and so I think 
we've been saying like food security is national security. Yep. Um, and I think that's really beginning to resonate with people because they're, they're thinking, wow, you know, well, pork prices have doubled in the last, you know, six to 12 months in China because of the, you know, African swine fever. And then you've got, you know, what's happening in, in wet markets in, in various countries with live animals and then transmission potentially of, of, of um, influences and things like this. And so people are making the connection between, you know, and without even talking about health, there's, there's clear links between, you know, a diet that's rich in, in animal-based foods and things like um, hypertension, uh, diabetes, mm. disease, etc., which is becoming increasingly established. We don't talk too much about those things. Um, you know, we're just focusing on making delicious, safe, nutritious products that are much more sustainable. But definitely governments are making the link. Um, you know, the use of animals for food is the most catastrophically impactful technology on Earth um, from just a sustainability point of view. But then there's a whole lot of other layers that come into it, including things like, you know, food security. And, and you say government are making the links. I think one of the reasons you've expanded so rapidly, people are making the links. Correct. The bushfires in Australia, there is an irrefutable link now between, you know, deforestation, rising climate, in more intense bushfires, which then accelerate, don't they? Because they burn livestock mm. and they burn cattle. I think the figure was something like a billion animals were wiped out in those Australian bushfires, which will have, we haven't even seen yet, yep. but I suspect it's going to have a tremendous impact upon the farming industry Absolutely. in Australia anyway. Yep. So these elements, I think psychologically, people are taking on board as well, aren't they? Sure. But I think people are becoming more aware of them, but the reality is people want to eat meat. Uh, and we don't want meat to go away. Uh, meat something that's associated yeah. so much with people's culture, with pleasure, um, eating out, barbecues with, with friends, etc. But people don't value meat and the experience of eating meat because it comes from animals. Um, uh, it, they value it for all the other reasons. It tastes good. It tastes good. Yeah. And so if we can deliver everything that people value um, about um, meat, fish, or dairy, and it doesn't come from the cadaver of a, you know, a slaughtered animal, that's not a downside for people. Mm. And actually, that can be an improvement. And if we can actually offer things like nutritional improvements, sustainability improvements as well, and as we scale, we'll become vastly more cost-effective. The fundamental economics of making meat from plants versus you know, using animals at scale is so much better, we'll be able to become you know, much more affordable. It's kind of a win-win-win. Mm. What will we see, uh, Henry, from Impossible Foods right here in Singapore in the next year or so? I think you'll be seeing us uh, more widely across the island in um, and different channels. Um, we're hoping to launch into retail, um, which will be, you know, the experience of eating us in a restaurant has been very positive for a lot of consumers, but the experience of taking the product off the, 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 the shelf, um, hopefully in the meat cabinet like we're doing, um, we launched in retail in, in, in the West Coast and East Coast in the US, taking it into their homes and cooking it in dishes that they love to cook and serve to their families. That's going to be really impactful as well. Uh, new products, um, as we announced. And so I think... There's going to be a lot more coming. So I'm um, looking forward to you having the opportunity to cook with it at home. And just very briefly, I'm very curious to know whether you can tell me, whether it's private information. Anecdotally, what has been the take-up like in Singapore? You just said it's doing very well. Yep. But since Impossible Burgers have gone into the likes of Swenson's, I yep. think you said eight. Was it eight different restaurant chains in Singapore? So we, we, la we launched on day one, um, I think it's March 7th last year, in eight restaurants. We're now mm. in over 250 restaurants, including, you know, real local favorites. You mentioned Swenson's, but, you know, Moss Burgers, Riesen, uh, Violet Oons doing a satay, a satay bar. And what sort of figures are you seeing? What sort of growth are you seeing? Well, we, I mean, uh, I can't share specific sales mm. numbers, but what I can say is that we are onboarding um, significant numbers of restaurants. The restaurants, um, their volumes are um, steady or growing, a uh, great retention rate. And I think it's just a reflection of, you know, the, it's, it's, I think chefs and restaurateurs, when we launch a new market, they often put it on the menu to start with, and they think it's going to be this like hot, 
but slightly niche product. And then you come back and check in and in with them after a couple of months and they're like, wow, this is our like best selling burger or this is like a wow. significant mm. part of our revenue. And so even if you don't care about any of the other issues, um, chefs and restaurants want products that are going to sell well yeah. and, and taste good. Yeah, and taste good. So, yeah. Perfect. Henry Woodward Fisher, the International Launch Manager for Impossible Foods. Thanks for being with us on Weekend Mornings here on Money FM. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Glenn. Yep. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.